Welcome to the Beauty and the Vlog podcast. I'm your host, Erica Vieira. Beauty and the Vlog is an online community and podcast dedicated to supporting YouTube content creators in beauty, fashion, fitness, and lifestyle. We go behind the scenes in the world of video creating through YouTuber interviews, strategy sessions, and in-depth discussions pertaining to all things YouTube. To get the most out of Beauty and the Vlog, make sure to join the Beauty and the Vlog Facebook group and check out our beautyandthevlog.com website for show notes and more. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn, have fun, and be inspired. Let's go. Well, hello, beauties. Erica here with another interview for you, and I'm super excited for my interview today. But before we get into it, I'm going to do a few housekeeping items like I do every single week. Um, if you're new to Beauty and the Vlog, welcome. I'm glad to have you here. We are a awesome community here with the podcast that features YouTubers and for this week, a blogger and all about being a YouTuber influencer. And uh, make sure that if you haven't already to join our Facebook group, we have a really, really active, thriving Facebook group. We do collaborations. We have daily topics, lots of conversations going on, lots of support. So that's part of kind of the whole beauty in the vlog community is to make sure that you do uh, check out the Facebook group. And one other thing I don't usually ask this that often, but I should because it makes a big difference is if you are a fan of the show, you've been here for a while and you get a lot out of it. It would mean a lot to me if you rate and review Beauty in the Vlog in iTunes. And uh, five stars is awesome. But um, obviously, you know, an honest review is the best. So the reviews are amazing. All right. Now, so I'm excited because we're doing something a little bit different and I try and switch it up here at Beauty in the Vlog. I mean, we've got over 70 interviews, which is amazing. So I want to do a little, something a little different and bring on not a YouTuber, but a beauty blogger because I do know that a lot of you who listen to the show are actually bloggers or maybe you have a blog in addition to your YouTube channel. So I wanted to bring on Lara Erdulian. <laughs> Did I get it right, Laura? <laughs> Close enough. Laura, you're Julian. Oh, good. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on. And Laura... Uh, Julian is the founder of the blog Pretty Connected. So I'm going to give you guys her bio, which is very impressive. And now we're going to get deep into her whole story and her blog history. So, all right. So Laura is the founder of Pretty Connected, the 32-year-old New York City-based beauty and lifestyle blogger. And she offers a unique blend of life and style thanks to her background in beauty and branding for industry names like NARS, Jurlique, and Kiehl's. Kills, kills. I never know how to pronounce it. Kills, kills. Okay, I use kills. My gym has kills. It's nice stuff. You go um, to Equinox. I do. I was there for that. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, as a much sought after beauty insider, Lara has appeared in campaigns for top brands including CoverGirl, Avino, and Urban Decay, and has been featured in the New York Times, Allure, Real Simple, Refinery Twenty Nine, Cosmopolitan, and L, as well as appeared on Amazon Style Code Live, The Today Show, Logo TV and Rachel Ray. Woo, that's impressive. In 2014, <laughs> she partnered with life. the nonprofit organization Family to Family to launch Share Your Beauty, an initiative that collects unused beauty and hygiene products for teen centers and homeless and women's shelters. Well, that's quite the bio. And I want to <laughs> hear all about how you got started with this blog. And then later on, we're going to talk about how, I mean, obviously you're, you're connected because the name of your blog is called Pretty Connected. So I want to hear about, you know, your relationship with brands and all that stuff. But let's 
first get started with what inspired you to start your blog? And yeah, let's just go from there. And how, how old is your blog? Like how long ago did you start it? So it's almost eight years old. Okay. Um, so I actually am very excited because I was probably one of the first beauty bloggers in New York, um, especially to take it seriously and also probably the first to come from the actual beauty end of, you know, the industry. I think a lot of my friends, you know, were in HR or worked in a bank, you know, it kind of was this hobby. And with me, I have a totally different story, which is really interesting. Um, I actually came from the marketing end of beauty. I was, as we talked about, I was at NARS for two years in international. And then I went over to Juraleek to be their marketing manager. And this was during their big rebrand going to, you know, Sephora's and Barney's and kind of an exciting time for that brand. And what I saw as a result was, you know, sort of this online surge. It was sort of before Facebook existed, but it was before Twitter, which is so funny now. Instagram didn't exist. It wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> like I know. Isn't that crazy? Ago. It's just so crazy. You know, we were, and we were an innovative brand, or actually I should say their director of, of online. And he was really kind of really innovative and just was, I wouldn't say the first, but he was really, you know, kind of ahead of his time and listening to what people were saying on Facebook. It was sort of the time of personal blogs versus I'm a blogger. Or I have, you know, or a specific genre of beauty blog. You might talk about, you know, things you like, but it wasn't this culture we have today where, you know, for lack of better saying, we're kind of a dime a dozen. This didn't, this whole world didn't really exist. So at that time, we sort of saw the rise of it. And I was getting more and more interested in more of the digital marketing end of things, even though I was brought up kind of from, you know, the conventional print in store marketing that we were, you know, sampling programs, you know, working with Barney's on consumer events and, you know, making sure all the signage was on top of it. You know, we kind of didn't have these budgets back then for bloggers and people. So this was sort of an exciting time. And Durlik moved their offices to Westchester, which from New York is, it was like a 45 minute commute. I was 23 at the time. My career was kind of thriving, but at the same time, I wasn't ready to make this commute out to, you know, Westchester. So I had decided to help them out through their fiscal year, get them sort of set up. And then I was going to travel and start a blog, which is kind of this funny concept at the time. And what ended up happening is I got, you know, a consulting job at Mark and Avon. And that excited me because they're all online. And then eventually I also got a position at Kiehl's consulting and starting up their social media. And the reason I got that position was because I started this blog. And, you know, with my background of kind of conventional you know, marketing, I was starting to play with this online world and giving people recommendations and having opinions and seeing responses from, you know, my readers, my friends, my family. And that was really big leverage back then because it didn't really exist, um, not from a level of somebody who was also like an industry professional. There were very little books on social media. If any, you know, we got to kind of have fun back then, as I like to think. Now, you know, you hear about digital teams and brands and everything's so perfect. And, you know, you go through 10 layers of approvals and and whatnot. But back then, you know, it was really sort of the frontier time. So I got to the really exciting kind of start from it being this very casual hobby to, you know, oh my gosh, my first products for free and then your first events. And then within like two to three years, being able to do it full time. So yeah, that's really how I kind of got into it, really thinking it would just be this (laughs) 
fun thing, a new creative outlet, you know, an opportunity to talk about things I'm enjoying. All my friends that I worked with at NARS had switched to other companies and same thing with Duraleek. So I was always getting a lot of really great products. I went to FIT. For a lot of you know, that's the Fashion Institute of Technology. So a lot of my friends were already in the fashion and beauty industry. And I just had a lot to say and it just sort of worked out. And that's kind of the story <laughs> to present day. Yeah, because you, you answered the question I was going to ask was obviously in looking at it. If you guys don't, definitely go check out her blog, Pretty Connected, and also her Instagram, Pretty Connected. Uh, it, that's what you are on Instagram, right? I mean, I, it is. I pretty yeah, Connected pretty all connected. the way through. And it's like your life looks like beyond amazing. I'm like every single day <laughs> she's doing something like amazing. So that was my next question was like, you know, at what point were you able to do this full time? And you answered that you said after three years, but I find that interesting because considering the fact that when you were doing this, you said eight years ago, when you started eight years ago, three years into that is still re relatively very early time for someone to like go off and do blogging it is. full time. And I time. actually preface that that was sort of three years was when I sort of realize I wasn't going back to a full-time job. Kind of in the beginning of blogging, I th I sort of thought, you know, I'm playing around with the digital world, but I, I always thought blogging was this great way to go to events, meet interesting people, and network my way into the next position I would want. That was sort of my thinking, especially coming from such beautiful brands. And then I, I kind of got to that point where I realized that this had a future. I slowly monetized the blog probably around that time, three years in, and I was still consulting. And I think, too, a lot of times when people think full-time blogger, I've sort of built out and rolled out a brand, which we forget about. It's not purely affiliate links and sponsored posts for me. It's campaigns. It's especially back then, I was doing a lot of event hosting. I was consulting as well and doing, you know, these magazine shoots. So those things kind of supplement, even though they were as a blogger. They supplement your income, video campaigns, everything, all of that kind of that encompasses under your brand. But it's not just, you know, get product, write about it, type it up and call it a day and then get some affiliates. Those are great income sources for sure. And something I think a lot of us strive for. But when you live, you know, live in New York City, I was used to a normal salary to kind of give that up, you really want to make sure you are in a good position to do that, which is why kind of in the transition times, I was consulting a lot still because for me, you know, I turn paid opportunities down all the time. But I know that, you know, for a lot of bloggers out there, if your rent is contingent on taking that product and reviewing and trying, and you know, we see kind of all the time, you go for it. And for me, that's just not something I wanted to do or ever be in a position of desperation. Totally, so, yeah. I think those are just sort of some considerations. And, you know, I know a lot of bloggers that bartender on the side or did, you know, something until they were ready. It's not that you necessarily have to do something in it, but it is a good idea when you're going full time to make sure you have, you know, a really strong foundation and that you're set up to do it and, you know, you're doing it responsibly so that you feel good about yourself because it is an unstable world. And I know for a lot of my friends still from that eight years ago, you know, period, it still can be a struggle. So I think those are things to really think about. You know, when we say full-time blogger, it really is full-time brand for me. I don't consult now anymore as myself, the way I used to from, you know, a beauty background. People don't hire me. They're always like, oh, you used to work corporately? You know, now I'm so known for being a blogger. They're expecting to kind of reach me at a level of hiring me as my blog and brand versus looking for a consultant in this industry. So it's kind of been an interesting switch 
and kind of how that works. Yeah. So you mentioned like a few things that you were doing when you first kind of, you know, decided to go off on your own. It wasn't just blogging. It was like you said, consulting campaigns and things like that. What were you consulting exactly? So Kiehl's technically I was consulting at there. They actually turned it into a full-time position. So I was 50% doing, even though it was a full job, now they obviously have a designated social media team mm-hmm. full time. But at the time, I couldn't actually go in full time unless I gave up my blog. It used to be a conflict of interest mm-hmm. for a lot of companies. Some of them, it still is. Some of them like the fact or, you know, that you are still a blogger. It really can go either way, depending on the policy of the company. So at the point when they were ready, you know, obviously social media moved very quickly. And within two years, they were hiring a social media director position. So there was no way. You know, that would have been a completely different, even though it's the same position, it would have been a completely different, you know, to go in every day to the office, to give up the blog, yeah, be there full time, totally it would different. have been a completely different, you know, vibe and position. So, so at that point too, I was consulting, um, I picked up some consult work with a few different digital agencies. I was doing some work for Creed, which is an amazing fragrance brand. I might be going Ooh, out of order here. Yeah, <laughs> I was Creed we love Creed. Mm. Um, I worked with Skin Iceland um, and hosted some events for them. I, funny enough, hosted an event for Avon, um, even though it was past the point when I was working with them and a completely different team. I had done quite a few. It was really, you know, especially for brands that were sort of emerging, even though they're bigger brands now. Yeah. We were finding really creative, cool ways to work together. Uh, so w- were you helping them with their social media? Were you helping them? Like, what exactly were you doing with them? So mostly programs, I kind of get it as soon as kind of Kiehl's ended, my blog really was sort of on a path Mm -hmm. where I felt, you know, good about where it was going and, you know, projects I was doing. So it was more so short term projects, like how can we work together and giving them some digital strategy and some ideas, but being less of the person who executes it and more of the person, you know, who either hosts the events or recommends, you know, at some point in this whole scenario of life, there was an incredible value of the people who were in the room with me, all those bloggers who are still the same bloggers I see every day at these events that I'm at, we're still the same group. And yes, there's new, you know, people coming into the scene, but it's still pretty intimate. And then you've also lumped in all the online editors. And none of those positions existed when we were all starting out, you know, six, seven years ago. Yeah. In this whole world. So it really has become kind of tight knit. And that's something that I was able to sort of key into really quickly is, okay, you want to do an event, you don't even know who to start with. Now, you know, there's so many people to start with. It's really, you know, it's a different Mm -hmm. area that people struggle with. But you know, five years ago, you know, bloggers were a thing, but they didn't really know. And then they don't really understand how to set up Twitter. And what do you think of this handle? And you know, yeah. how do we do a giveaway? And also it was a really tough time when brands were getting very taken on these Facebook apps that used to be able to get customized for this giveaway that would cost them, you know, $10,000 that you could do yourself for $500 if mm-hmm. you just, you know, adjusted a few things. So it was really kind of helping brands on a budget kind of think of things and giving them more of a look at the landscape of social media, digital influencers, and what they should be doing and less of, you know, day-to-day office stuff and being the person who executes it. And there were some other projects that, you know, agencies would come to me too. And so I was really just consulting on more of that kind of digital space that was still a little bit, you know, like I said, the wild wild west of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. You're there, like really the beginning, especially in a city like New York. I mean, 
Exactly. I think that's the thing why my life looks so interesting is you have, like if you're ever in New York, uh, you can easily pick up this lifestyle when you have a few key people in the industry or once you know what's going on, you know, you're just sort of plugged into it. And plus everything's so close in New York. You can be at three events in one night and still be home by eight o'clock. Yeah. Whereas it looks like I'm out all night. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Exactly. Every time I'm in LA and I go to an event, I'm like, oh, I can't make that second one. Oh, no way. Two miles away, but two hours later. Yeah. Oh, no way. I mean, some people try and do like two events. They, they, they have makeup events and, you know, like, oh, yeah, I got to go to this one. It's like, ooh, okay, well, have fun. You know, now you have to yeah. get your car, go back in it. Or if you're Ubering, get the Uber, drive across town and hope there's not traffic. And yeah, LA is a totally different landscape. So I don't know how you do it yeah. in LA. I mean, I, I'm there pretty fairly regularly. And every time I'm there, I'm like, this is so wonderful. But this is so you really have to care about the event. The commitment is oh, real yeah. to, to show up. Well, for you, when you have a a lifestyle of going to events, it would be very difficult to have that similar lifestyle, like as fast paced as going to as many events. You, you, it'd be very hard to do that in LA. It, it would be daunting. It would be like, ugh, you know, I just wouldn't feel fun. I mean, going to events are awesome. I love them. I go, but it's like, I'm going to one, one and that's it. One and done, you know? Like, it's, Yeah, it's definitely a different lifestyle. And that's what I say too with blogging is you really have to make it a world and also, you know, yeah, and same thing kind of we were talking about before in with brands, you know, they didn't know what three years ago looked like, what last year and what this year looks like is completely different and yeah. how you gift and how you pay and how you work with a blogger. Like everything has evolved. So you can't look at a case study from three years ago and say, oh, I'm going to do this. It's going to be successful because it won't be. So I think that that you know, and same thing with events. When there used to be an event in New York, everybody wanted to go because that's such a big deal. And mm-hmm. I think LA, you guys, you know, there aren't as many, but a lot of the brands will reciprocate and do the same event they do here or there yeah, as well. But, you know, that. they have to put, it's a different thought process. And, mm-hmm. you know, even in New York, they're now, everyone gets car service. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that'll be way more traffic. I'll just take the subway. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Or you can take a car and get, you know. Yeah. But you kind of need that for LA or, you know, ballet and park it, you know. Yeah. A lot of the beauty events that I go to, it's, it's cool. They're like, okay, here's our Uber code, you know. So they think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, something considering eight years ago, there weren't even budgets to invite bloggers. The fact now that there's budgets to give product, pay them sometimes and do car services is really, you know, kind of a testament to where this whole world is, how much it's changed. Yeah. I mean, so you, you started back eight years ago. I think that's interesting too, because if you look at almost the landscape, eight, yeah. almost eight, you look at the landscape. At I mean, that at time. that point, anything before six years ago didn't really matter. I okay. say too, like you can be a 10 year old blogger, but because the industry didn't really start happening until six years ago. Like that first year, yeah, I was getting stuff. Mostly it was from people I knew or I was buying a lot, a lot of products. I was kind of doing what a lot of people do now when they're starting. I used to go to Sephora. I was so plugged in. Mm-hmm. Now it's, you know, mailers and yeah. events and 2,000 emails a day. So it's it's just a different way of blogging as well. My content wasn't as curated. And also I wasn't in the pressure of posting every day. Mm-hmm. It was a hobby. It yeah. was, you know, a few times a week. It's as you wanted to do things. And, you know, brands obviously reached out actually fairly quickly, but not in you know, a few emails a week is not the same as 200 a day. So wow. it, it is crazy. So really it wasn't until about six, five or six years ago that you started the invites. And that's when, you know, and then things kind of spiraled and went wow. incredible from this. So when people are like, I've been blogging for 12 years, it is great. It's a great way to gain your followers. But from a brand perspective, it really wasn't recognized. I don't feel like there was until about six, seven years ago, um, but really about six years ago. So back, you know, okay, so you kind of 
played around with this you know, eight years ago, but things didn't really happen about six years ago. And so the first two, three years or so, how did you gain traction with your blog? Like, how did you even get anyone coming to your blog? Did you have connections already? So, no, yeah. the readers were always there. You have to, and now you, there's more of a struggle because yeah. there's so many, there's such good information and it, you can be a 10 times better blogger than me, but if you're starting tomorrow, it's really hard to get your content looked at. That's just yeah. part of the internet being saturated. If you were playing in this game five, six, seven years ago, it really wasn't very saturated. You know, you weren't doing it for the idea. You know, I go to speeches now and I talk and kids are like, how do I get to be you? Or I want to grow up and be an influencer. I want to grow up and, you know, I want to get free products. I want to be paid to do this full time. Mm -hmm. These weren't concepts any of us had that started from that generation. We thought maybe we'd get a few free products and maybe meet some cool people. But we were not thinking, oh, we can quit our jobs see our faces in magazines yeah. and are going to be paid to this full time. Like this was not. And even when you get to the top and I don't even consider myself at the top, but I am very fortunate. It is still a lot of work. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. get, you know, there's definitely a generation or grade above. And if you can hire two, three people to do everything, but when you are going to a lot of events and when you still do a lot of things for free, it just takes time. I still shoot, edit my own content. You know, there's still a lot of processes to make things great and to get noticed that I think people forget. And it's really hard. It is always really hard um, well, until it's not. But I'm still I'm still not at that point. But it's still but it's amazing. The things mm -hmm. I do every day to your point and get to share, you know, that are the people I used to read about in magazines, the heads of the brands, the fact that they know me by a first name basis, the fact that they're inviting me to their launch parties. It is what keeps me, you know, motivated and pushing forward. Being in my favorite magazines, you know, these are still the things that I don't take for granted, even though it's happened on some pretty regular occurrences, yeah. but they're still a big deal. And I think yeah. that it's easy to lose sight of that. And it's just a different generation that starts now. And just the expectation level, too, of what, you know, there's definitely more of an entitled attitude that I see very oftentimes. Uh, you know, even at events or different things. And there is the hunger to be number one and, you know, push forward, but you really do have to set your content mm -hmm. apart. And I see that, you know, and there's a lot of great YouTubers and, but, you know, I think YouTube, it's a really great time for all of you because it's only in the last like year, I have to be honest that I've really seen YouTubers at these events. And still, I feel like it does push very heavy. I think actually LA is a little bit more ahead of the New York on yeah, that. Yeah, I think so too. But I definitely, every time I'm at an event in LA, I'm like, who are these girls? Or you can always tell the YouTubers because they look amazing. And the bloggers <laughs> look like they're exhausted with bags under their eyes. <laughs> like, oh, that's a YouTuber for sure. You know, but it really has started. And even though I think there's always been kind of opportunities in YouTube, it's really until this year that I've seen so much more from an event perspective. Mm. Um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Okay. There's like, I feel like there's so many things we can talk about because I don't usually have <laughs> bloggers on here. Okay. So you said that your audience was like from the get-go because you started earlier, like your audience was there. So so here's where I think beauty has some potential for mm -hmm. everyone out there. I think fashion is very hard right now. I think Instagram, everything, you know, you look at an outfit, you want to know where it is. You may or may not go for the blog. But where I've always benefited is first off, you've got your direct traffic, right? And then the traffic you're driving from your social media. But then you also, if you get enough clicks in or enough years and Google likes you because you put up a lot of good content and, you know, big brands potentially link into your site, that always helps you as well in your ranking and SEO. And we can talk more about that if you want. Yeah, I do but want to talk about that. The mm -hmm. point of this is, you know, people are always going to Google a product. 
you know, I do all the time. Sometimes yeah. when I'm even giving tips, I'm like, here are my top three eyeliners. What are people saying? What do people think is the top? Because sometimes I, you know, I don't read every magazine the way I used to. I don't read every blog the way I used to. You know, I'm mm-hmm. on such a fast track all the time. So I oftentimes when I put my recommendations together, just like to see maybe there's a new product I should try in this category. Maybe mm. there's a different classic. You know, I was one of the 52 influencers that judged Glamour's Glammy Awards, their beauty awards. And the categories of what came second round, I was like, wait, there's like a good, normally when the winners come out, I've tried actually the majority or heard of them or know them, but there was a lot in these categories where I was like, why haven't I tried that product yet or seen it? So there is this, you know, you want to stay current. So we Google, we look up things and we want to look, you know, even sometimes I want to look at the wand of a mascara. I don't just want to see it. You know, I think it's very common and we see this again in Instagram. You get the product, you Instagram it, you make it really pretty. But rarely is it open. Sometimes it's not even swatched. So you don't always know what you're looking at. And yes, it's very visual. But if I really want to know, you know, a little bit more about a product, I Google it to see what it looks like open. You know, what are people saying about it? So that's where beauty, I think, always will have some traffic. So mm. if you can get a good ranking. And again, I used to come up with the most creative and cutesy little titles because back then that was fun. And I think, again, that works for fashion. But now I'm very strategic. Know, like, mm-hmm. Laura Geller highlighter, like we'll have this holiday offering. Yeah. I'm very, I'm a lot more concise in the way I write in the first few sentences of my post because I want there to be some SEO value so people can go in. Same thing. I used to never resize my images and let alone name my images. I used to just plop them right up in there. <laughs> Again, yeah. first two, three years, you didn't know this stuff. So now it's like, I, you know, I didn't even know how much traffic you get from getting, you know, there's this, I was like the other day, I was looking at my, my Google analytics, which again, everybody should always look at their analytics. Mm-hmm. So they know what's going on. <laughs> who are your readers? Who are you appealing to? And even if you have low traffic, just you should know who you're talking to. And I was like, Forbes, why am I getting all this traffic from Forbes? I, I was like, looking back, I'm like, did they interview me? Like, yeah. well, I don't think I've ever been in Forbes. And somebody just took one of my images and she wrote like courtesy of Pretty Connected, which oh, wow. I don't recall giving her courtesy to my image, yeah. but I really appreciate the traffic. And it was for a blog post I did a few years earlier on Rodile, some a highlighter that they had from their launch party. And, you know, again, I was probably one of the only bloggers at this event and mm-hmm had a great shot in the whole collection. So they, in magazines didn't pick it up or I don't know why, but this image got used and that sent a ton of traffic. So, mm. you know, naming your images, really being responsible with your SEO, your links, everything else does make a big difference in your traffic. And then the more Google likes you and then, you know, the more top beauty lists you're in every time I'm in a campaign, you know, you just, it's a good little circle of, traffic. Yeah, let's let's go a little bit into that. Um, Not spend too much time. But you know, I know that like I said, there's a lot of people that listen that have a beauty blog in addition to their YouTube channel. So what would be like your top three tips when it comes to SEO? Okay, so first of all, I and if I could get my act together, which I tell myself every week, I will and start a YouTube channel. I would for all of you. And this is probably going to bury me in the future. But my best advice to every YouTuber is to literally start a blog and just embed your video in it. Even if your blog posts are this week, I'm beauty in the vlog. I'm talking with Laura, you're doing pretty connected about here and it's listing the products. You're going to get so much SEO value of just constantly updating And then eventually Mm. it'll pick up new traffic and you don't even have to go into the review. They can watch the video, Mm. but your words are what 
you know, and your titles, this is what's going to create. And again, it might be a total fail, but it's not the same as, you know, writing everything out because really Google cares about the first few sentences. So what you're reviewing, a clear title, there are some plugins, again, not to get too advanced that can help your SEO and certain things. But again, you know, have you guys heard of Alexa reports? I like I've heard of Alexa. Um, okay. I don't use it. I feel like because I in addition to the podcast, I have the blog and I need some serious help with the blog because I'm like, um, I don't know. If, you know, I ha- I installed Yoast, you know, Yoast is a, yep. a plug in. So yep. I just I have like 70 something blog posts and I wasn't doing any SEO for them until like a couple months ago. So, which is horrible. And so someone's like, you need to do Yoast and this and that. So I'm just starting to do all that. But I haven't even looked at, I've heard of Alexa, but I haven't even looked at it. So, so basically no one can really look at your analytics and stuff for you. And so brands will sometimes ask you, you know, how many hits do you get? But sometimes they want proof and you can either send them your picture of your analytics or whatnot. But then there's something called Alexa.com, mm-hmm. which it's not perfect and it's not hundred percent accurate, but it gives brands and yourself an idea. So you could go on it. And you could type in your blog and it'll give you a global ranking and a U.S. ranking. And then you could put me in or somebody else in and you can just sort of see where you rank on a global level. So if mm-hmm. you put in like Google or Amazon, those are going to be in the top five <laughs> like yeah. biggest sites. you know. And it's just a way for brands instead of it being like you get X amount of hits. It's really just like kind of where you rank and how big you are. So some brands don't have global rankings. They just might have a U.S. It's because you don't have the same international presence, you know. I've had been lucky to have a few international hits and travel things that have worked out for me, but nothing major. But I do rank on a global scale as well, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, but it's just good for brands to kind of say, okay, you know, I think especially now because it's really hard with social media, people inflate their numbers or, you know, they have great numbers there, but have no blog traffic. And, you know, every channel you invest your time in is what's going to grow. And the mm-hmm. same thing with the blog, you know, it's why my Instagram is better than my Facebook. If I just don't, you know, I technically have a YouTube channel, but I don't ever use it. So you kind mm-hmm. of have to really invest your time in whatever channel you want to grow. So it's just this basis of where brands can kind of get a little bit of sense of where you scale. Now, how you grow your Alexa, because they don't have access to your analytics, is people saying, okay, how valuable is your site? in terms of content. So for instance, if we have exactly the same blog, but mine is getting linked to by the New York Times, by Refinery, by sites that are really major, and then you still have three links in, but let's say they're from smaller blogs, you're still going to get some ranking value because Mm -hmm. these blogs, you know, have some are saying, okay, I like this person's content because I've linked to them. But based on where you're getting, you know, it's kind of how clout worked. It's better to be followed by Kim Kardashian, Nash and Kutcher than 6,000 people with small followings, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of this sort of idea of Google is looking at your site and then how many people are linking in. So for instance, I was in Real Simple this month, Mm -hmm. which is great, but it's a print magazine. If I was in Real Simple online, even though I'm always more about seeing myself in a print magazine, but (laughs) actually getting a value for my site, it would come from a link in from that would be really major for it because Mm -hmm. then Alexa, I would probably see a significant you know, jolt up versus, you know, if it was just a few friends of mine who let me link into, it would still help. But those are the things that are going to help grow you really quickly. Now that said, just having a lot of good content and having actual traffic, it is trying to monitor all that in as well. Okay. Yeah. So that's just a little bit of an idea. Yeah. So, so you said like the first thing is to like embed your YouTube channel and create a blog and embed your YouTube channel in there, list all the products that you use. Second was to take a look at your Alexa.com and basically try and get 
other sites and things to link into your website to kind of build the up more that you can link into yourself the even if a brand puts you on their press page like i've had some brands that were really small that added me back in the day and now they're bigger brands and i still get some traffic so just mm-hmm. any links into your site are always an awesome thing mm-hmm. it's always going to help your alexa grow it's also going to help your traffic grow because that's it's not just doing it for the sake of the yeah. alexa report it's supposed to be based on what your analytics actually are and those things. And you should also be monitoring them. For instance, like I said, I'd never know about this Forbes picture if I didn't check my analytics. Yeah. And no, you know, so just you never know where you're going to pick things up. I remember when my early days, I had a picture from the guy from Vampire Diaries, probably like five or six years ago. And all of a sudden my blog went like crazy. And I was like, why am I getting so much traffic? It was like, I don't know, back then, and it was probably like 10 or 20,000 hits in like a day, like something just astronomically high, especially for that era. And within like a few hours, and it was turned out his one of his fan sites, like or his biggest fan site, like posted the picture, and like the amount of traffic I got was out of control. What picture? Oh, was did you took a picture with this person? Yeah, it was at an event. I <laughs> was with Ian. I'll butcher his last name. Oh yeah, Ian Samolin something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's cute. yeah. But now you know you can probably get a hundred people with a picture with him on the street. I don't know what exactly they like. It yeah, was just, it was a big event in D.C. And he was hosting this event and I like, it's so funny. I put that up because suddenly like this crazy traffic turned out. I mean, now if you did that, I wouldn't probably, I put pictures up with celebrities, designers, people all the time and yeah, they'll yeah. do fine, but so is everybody else. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't do, you know, but again, you just, you just never know. And then these are the things that really help, you know, <laughs> you're like, Oh, maybe my readers want to see more of this. It just helps you. And also which posts do the best. So, you know mm-hmm. what you want to do more of. Yeah, I'm sure it's the same as YouTube. You just want the best feedback of what's happening is the best way to grow. What what plugins and sites do you use to manage your, your analytics? So I just use Google Analytics. I mean, it's really the only one you need. I do monitor my Alexa just to have an idea of what brands are seeing because, mm-hmm. you know, you can go up and down. And like I said, it's not purely accurate, but it's just a good thing to have. But yeah, Google Analytics is really my number one. Okay. I mean, plugins and everything, I, I have to be honest, is I now have the third party kind of manage my site just because when you start to get a good amount of traffic on your site, you really need to switch it to good hosting. Mm-hmm. And for me, I like to have, you know, kind of a third party agency doing that just in case yeah, if I have anything something happens. to do and it's a sponsored campaign and it crashes. And Oof. believe me, we've all we've all had our early day bloggers. We've had our sites crash because yeah. all of a sudden you got too much traffic from one random picture or you just didn't think that stuff mattered back in the day. So now I, I just like to be safeguarded at all times that if something is going on, I have someone to call instead of trying to Google and fix it. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate enough to have been past that part of my career where I have to sit up and stress at three in the morning, you know, multiple and repeatedly like, hitting enter, looking at why my site's not going back up. So yeah, that's, that's good. Um, that's... And they're the best that, you know, the plugins, I mean, ultimately the basics though are always going to be your most important. So clear titles, first few sentences really highlighting what you're talking about and then a few key ones that you'll need. But at the end of the day, creating original good content as often as possible, getting good brands to link into you. Those are going to be the biggest things. Yeah. So let's talk about your like relationships with brands because that's really kind of for you, the cornerstone of your blog. I mean, you've got all these relationships 100%. with brands, you're invited to all these events, you get all this product. I mean, without all that, you know, that that's what you talk about. So how, how did you end up getting so hooked up with all these brands? I mean, 
again, it's that's like one of the perks of just being one of the first generation yeah. to do this. It's just, you know, but that said, I, I definitely have heard a lot and know a lot about how to do that because I see it done wrongly or people ask all the time, you know. The other thing, too, about beauty that's amazing is these products you think that are so expensive actually cost them nothing to yeah. make. Like, you will mow you in mind. So for a brand to invest $20, and I'm talking about their cost, not retail price, in you is really that's like you sell if you sell like if I sell one Urban Decay lipstick, it will probably pay for the whole, you know, set of 20 that they say, you know, yep. there's really this great value to beauty brands in a way that I think is harder for fashion shoe and other companies, you know, to give you these perks. So that's one area where beauty's really gotten hip to. And so they can be very generous and gifted. Yeah. But again, everybody was a different page. Like they still are. They're different wavelengths. You know, if at my level now, I can pretty much fortunately ask for whatever I want. I mm-hmm. don't because I'm still trying the things from my events from the last two weeks. And I take a really long time to try things, which I think that, you know, I think it's really easy to just want and want and want. Yeah. Um, but the truth of the matter is, you know, Brands like me because I'm very honest. I will take stuff and then I don't like it. And instead of writing terrible negative reviews, I mean, I'll throw in a line or two if there's something I kind of don't like. But for the most part, I just don't have time. I literally email them my feedback. Chances are, guys, if you don't like a product, someone in that company probably doesn't like it either. You know, even when I was at NARS, I mean, everything at NARS is amazing and wonderful. (laughs) But there are a few (laughs) things that were just kind of okay or weren't like the best thing ever. And other products that were the best thing ever. So if you went on saying that the product that was really average or had weird, you know, they've also reformulated as of every brand have reformulated things to make them better because they're listening to what people are saying. I think that this culture of I got it for free, I'm putting it up. I'm not even going to take it out or give it as a present, but I'm going to write about it as if it's like, you know, you kind of can't do that for a brand to really respect you. Now, if you love it, love it, like love it fully and own mm-hmm, that. That's mm-hmm. the one biggest thing about being a blog. When I worked for all these amazing brands, if somebody didn't like that product or it made you break out, it wasn't my fault. It was the company's fault. If I am saying something and, you know, and it's totally not true or it's a really bad, you know, people have to be able to tell you. And I think this is where a lot of the bullying and negative stuff comes from. Just own your content. Like I've had people be like, I really didn't like this. And I'm like, well, what kind of skin do you have? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, if you read the post, instead of just me saying I like this, it actually says for this type of skin, you probably won't like it because it might feel to this or that. And we've always had really positive, you know, experiences and conversations. I even had a product one time. This is the other thing. When I don't like something, I always email the PR person. And sometimes they have feedback for me. And Mm. that's better content for my readers to say, hey, you know, the Kat Von D Foundation is really thick. It's a little bit too much for me. But if you cut it with this primer, it's really amazing. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that also makes elevate your content more is when people have you know, a product that they don't like or that they, you know, hey, you can also use it for this. And it's like, wait, what? I want to use it for that. So let me ask you. So when you get products that you don't like, which is great, and and it probably helps further even build your relationship with the brands is by giving them that feedback. But do you not write about the negative? Do you just mainly focus on the positive or do you include kind of like the bad? No, no, no. Also? So I have like a whole, I my general philosophy, first of all, every blog post, especially if it's not paid, and for me, paid does not pay my opinion. It pays for my f- more photography time, more editing time, more yeah. time to say, I'm going to ignore everybody else and just focus on you. I'm only trying your brand, I am committed to you. Like we are going to have our time together. But <laughs> that said, if a product and same thing with sponsored, because I always give people now and I will not take your money. If you do not want me to publish something, you know, I have like an 80, 
like if I like something at least 80%. So mm-hmm. that means there are a few things I don't like, or just feedback for some people, you know, if you don't like a full coverage, or if you think that, you know, you just gotta let people know the facts about a product. You can't, you know, if you are somebody who likes sheer foundations, and you're writing about a heavy one, it's not gonna, you kind of have to be honest, like if this is what you're looking for, or if you like oil free, you're not gonna like this. Mm-hmm. So I try to be more factual. Now, if I just plain right outright don't like it, yeah. I just give them that feedback. And I don't usually take the time to write it up. I don't especially have a lot of, I have no problem doing that. Or if you have like a collection of 10 products, I might say, yeah, these two didn't really do that much for me. And that's that's fine. Yeah. But I had to like something in it. If I am taking the time to shoot it and write about it, I really want there to be something positive for my readers to be excited about. If I'm not excited, I'm not even giving it more time to love it. I'm like, I'm done. It's like tossed. (laughs) Like I'm moving on. Like I'm moving on. Like if it's just, and thing too is beauty is very objective. Like certain lip, like it's just not the consistency I like. So I'm just done. Like there's no, I'm not thinking, I'm not overthinking about it. I'm not ready to start a smear campaign. I'm sure a lot of people out there will love it, but it's like time to move on to something else. So if it's a, if it's sponsored, you'll, you'll tell them like, Hey, this is, I don't really like this product. And like, you'll just say, Hey, I, I don't like it. And yes, I always, I won't do the post or yeah. For beauty specifically. Well, I will always give them the option. I have, mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who's shy and feels, you know, I'm not going to get blacklisted for giving my opinion. Yeah. If a brand wanted to do that to me, then that's fine. I'll buy it if I really want it that badly anyway. Like yeah. it's not going to affect me on a level, but as a courtesy, because I've given you my time, here's my feedback. And you know, it just has to be honest or here, but you can usually spin things enough that you're just telling facts. Like, but it's good. People feel like they relate to you. If they're like, okay, I tried it and I had the exact same experience mm-hmm. you did. Or if you can add feedback, like, you know, I don't know, like sometimes like I hate that for some reason, shampoos come in bigger sizes than conditioners. Cause I always use the conditioner. I more. use way like, more conditioner than shampoo. I I way more, like, why do people do that? I don't know. It's like, weird. So I will make funny, quirky comments yeah. like that. And you know, or something squeezes and you can't get the last bit out or, yeah. you know, but again, I like to give them the things that I found because they use it as feedback as well. But I really ultimately, first of all, I only say yes if I think I'm going to like your product. If, there's yeah. already, if I've already have red That's flags, true. I'm like, er, let's not, you know. And I think it reflects too. A lot of the sponsored posts I get too are from brands I've already worked with or products I've actually already tried. So I'm usually like, I'm in. <laughs> like, what do you want to raise awareness of? SPF? Let's do it. Let's yeah. talk all about how much you need to wear SPF. Like I... I'm really keen on who I partner with because of that reason. And so we were talking about basically like your connection with brands and basically it's like because you're kind of like first to market or you're, you know, one of the earlier bloggers, it just happened more naturally, right? You just kind of were, you were approached by a lot of these brands or. Exactly. So that's the first step. But again, there is no, here's the thing. I think a lot of people start and they get really discouraged. You need Mm -hmm. six months, first of all, to make sure you want to be a blogger because it's hard and it's a lot of time. And I know networks that are even like, we don't want to take you unless you've been doing this for six months, because I think it's hard to know. You know, I think it's really easy to get excited about having a site, but then as soon as you start to do it and go to events and have to cover things and do, you're like, whoa, this is a lot of work. And at first it's all for free. Probably. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it should be all for free. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, how it works. And mm-hmm. so it's a lot of work. And that's just part. It's always going to be a lot of work. I always say the 20% that pays is for the 80% that doesn't. You yeah. know, I'll spend yeah. days talking about stuff. But I'll still do that. I know a lot of people that won't. But I'm, you know, I'm excited about your product. I came to your event like this. I want to try this. And then I want to share this. I don't need to go back to the brand and say, hey, I want to share this. I need your money to do that. Like, it's not... 
But the trade-off is, hey, I might not be able to get to that this week because I have interviews today. I've got this this day. And yeah. You just have work you have to do. Exactly. And your, and your dog goes crazy. <laughs> and now I have a dog. So all my time, you know, I'm like, I could either spend the next three hours shooting and writing a blog post over some free stuff I got, or I could play with my dog. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're new stories. And that's why I'm sure you've realized in motherhood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me. And so that's why some of the brands would choose to to pay you because then you become a priority, obviously. Or that and you just and that's my policy. And that's for like everybody has a different one. And again, like every generation of blogging is different. For me, it's I'm not going to like your product necessarily. I'm not even going to usually even say yes a lot of times. I'm also going to be flexible with budgets, but. I'm being flexible. It just means I can do this at a later date or we can work on the timing together. It's really a partnership versus sponsored advertising. Like there's such these harsh words. Like I'm not, no one's taking a page out on my blog and writing whatever they want. I get offers all the time and I've never said yes. Like it's just not what I'm looking to do. I don't even really like that many banners. I took all of them off a few years ago because I just, I I don't mind here and there. They don't do many banners anymore. Like that's just kind of like a passe thing. I totally agree. And, you know, sometimes people offer and I'm like, yeah, I'll do one on the side, but somewhere classy and nice. If you yeah. want to do one and take it, that you can take out an ad for because you know, that's that. That looks very clear like an ad. But if it's being written by me, I really want to be behind everything I write about. And, you know, if it's not paid, it just has to be at the discretion of my time because especially with mailers, now it's very popular for brands to send you stuff. And then yeah write you an email being like, so when are you going to write about it? <laughs> like, I don't know what this is. I don't think it's even for my skin type. I don't even really want it. And you, I'm like half the time right back. I'm like, if you'd like to pick it up and take it back, you can take it back. <laughs> That's people who just randomly email you something. <laughs> Emails and then- you can just delete or ignore. But when they actually start sending you, which is nice, sometimes you get an amazing surprise. And yeah. I, a lot of my content does come from the mailers. But it's always funny for me when I I have kind of an aggressive travel schedule at times when I come home and there's just like 40 boxes. And you're oh, like, my oh. God. And How like, many boxes do you get like every, let's say every week? Like probably about 10 a week, I would mm-hmm. say. Sometimes more, sometimes less, depending. But they're also filled with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Which gets really hard to organize. Like mm-hmm. currently my living room looks like a garage sale for yeah. Sephora. And that sounds really nice, but it's really quite overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming, yeah. which I think a lot of people forget. It's, yeah. And it is wonderful. But going back to your question, which is how to work with brands, yes. is I think that people forget. So yes, being early, once you're on like 10 lists, let's say you made a really good relationship with 10 brands, chances are they're with a PR agency and they're mm-hmm. going to wrap new people over the next year and you will get put on those lists and then new lists. So it's kind of like, that's laying eggs. It just like goes crazy. So if you've been doing this for eight years, mm-hmm. you are on a ton of lists because PR people move around like it's nobody's business and yes, to go to a new true. agency and then they take their list with them and then they take their list with them. So that's half of it is just the organic overtime being on people's lists. But then the other part of it is go on their website. Like I broke into travel last year and I've had amazing success with it. And not because anybody in the travel industry knows me, but it's just how you present yourself. How good does your site look? It's probably the same with your YouTube channel. How are you carrying yourself in Mm -hmm. your YouTube channel? Is this somebody who we want to work with? Is this somebody we want to represent our brand? Are they just like ranting and raving, which works for some brands too, but it's really how you're carrying yourself. Is a brand's going to want to know, do they want to work with that person? 
So exactly, it's a, it's a huge travel. impression. Like I, I say it all the huge time, impression. and I I feel like some people like I'll get people say you know I don't know why like I you know people don't talk to me. It's not. It's like you have to present yourself in a way that brands want to work with you and brands are businesses and so they and, and yes. you have to keep in mind they have like at this point because it youtube beauty is just blowing up they have like lots of people they can choose from so if if, if what you want to do is just do your own thing and say i don't care about brands then do your own thing then like just dress how you want like you know have a sloppy background whatever because and that's fine if you're like saying that i'm totally cool doing my own thing but if you if you want to work with brands you have to like it's it's like a job interview in a way that you're constantly putting out this content Absolutely. and it's like hey a brand's gonna look at you and be like that's a great representation of who we are as a brand and hopefully want to work with you and it's also about doing things for free, but how you do them for free. Like, for instance, before I, I didn't just start approaching hotels and tours and boards and places being like, hey, I'm awesome. Would you like to give me a free trip? I would like you to put it on my site. If they went to my site and then they just saw a beauty product, they'd probably be like, okay, we don't really understand yeah, how this the works. Connection. So on my first trips, whether it would be being flown out for a shoot or because I was on vacation and paying for it, I was covering hotels. I was putting my beauty content in it. I was making it more of a lifestyle brand. It took mm -hmm. me a while because I was developed. I'm not doing it as a random one-off where you're like, wait, I'm confused. Like this person always talks about this and suddenly they're talking about that. It has to feel very organic for my readers. And also my travel content did really, really well. Mm -hmm. I found that, you know, my demographic is women 25 to 32 who are mass majority college and above educated, making mm -hmm. a decent income, who, you know, like to shop and probably travel. Mm -hmm. So it was a really good crossover for me. I wrote travel guides when I went places. These are the top templates. I did a really good job of taking a lot of information and condensing it. I also did a ton of research every time I went to a new place on where I wanted to go, what I wanted to see talking to locals so that if you want to go to Machu Picchu, I can send you like the best guide ever and every... Oh man, I wish I, I knew you before we went to Machu Picchu. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and then if you read place. mine afterwards, you'd probably be like, this is everything I wish I knew before. But yeah. like, it was a very, you know, and that's how I got to work with board travel brands. Mm. I would send them, here's an example of how I do hotel content. Here's an example of how I do Instagram. Oh, it's me outside, it's me in the room, it's my beauty product, whatever it is. I started to give brands an idea of this is what it looks like to work with me versus you should just work with me. Yeah, let's break that down a little bit. So you made a decision to say, I want to not just do beauty. I want to get a little bit more into lifestyle, travel. And you made that decision on your own. And you said, hey, I'm going to like be purposeful about that. So I'm going to do all that work with the idea of hopefully creating content to show these, you know, hotels or travel, whatever, um, so that I can transition this into more of a lifestyle lifestyle block 100 and that was a, also something i made a decision a few years. i mean i also when i picked my blog name i went with pretty connected i didn't know it was going to turn into this empire mm -hmm. i really looked at it as just something i came from a branding background i wanted a solid brand and i wanted the flexibility if i'm at an art show or something really cool that i want to talk about i didn't have to be pigeonholed even it's though i do consider myself a beauty blogger that's mm -hmm. why it's pretty connected is connected to things, but it's also connecting people to things and talking about things I think are pretty and beautiful. So mm -hmm. I had that foresight initially. And then to your point, every time I want a new category, and it's, that's where the lifestyle part kind of built in. As I'm excited about other things, it's really hard to talk about beauty every day. Yeah. I definitely can. I'm going to enough events. I'm meeting enough people, interview. There's enough content for me, but it is hard for a lot of people to just every day, you know, swatch, shoot, 
try this and really have an opinion. Like I have opinions on so many products I haven't had a chance to write about, but I've had weeks to try them. And that's because I've done a few fashion posts. I'm going to be traveling. Like you sometimes need to give yourself a break or you just become a machine and it doesn't really mean you're really trying it. Like, you know, when you're really getting to like the bottom and it's so easy to be like, okay, I swatched it really fast. I tried it this one day, but you're not really, and I do that too with certain brands. I'm really excited this just launched, but for a lot of this stuff, I need some more time and I can't just be this. I can't do that while constantly, especially now that there's so many different social media outlets and emails I have to get to and other things I'm doing. It is a challenge to just, you know, tell yourself everyday beauty. It doesn't make it as fun for me either. Mm-hmm. When I was only updating a few times a week, it was great. You know, yeah, now it, I was it becomes a grind. buying a bunch of stuff and like no one's emailing me following up. I was like, this is great. But mm-hmm. now when you're on certain deadlines and, you know, it becomes your career, it becomes a whole other world. So I did always want to have some level of, you know, flexibility to talk about other things I found interesting as part of my brand. So, and then same thing with beauty. If you want to work with whatever brand that is, show them an example of something you've done. I think Mm -hmm. it's really hard for, you know, or at least show them that you do beauty as a category and say you're a fan or you're looking to work with them more. You don't, if you can't afford that product or you just, you know, don't have it or it's whatever it is, at least show them examples of things you do so they can say, Hey, look at this picture quality. Oh, I like the way this person writes. Yeah. Oh, this person really cares about their content. They give really good. Like, I think that it just gets lost sometimes. And also, you know, same thing with being paid. Like some people think just because they got it for free. I get this a lot from beginner bloggers. Like, how do I handle if I didn't like it? Or, you know, this PR person did this. I'm going to take my post out. I'm like, okay, first of all, like you're talking about products for your readers. If you're getting into the drama of that PR person and we all have our moments, I've had moments where I'm, I'm constantly annoyed at PR people for Mm -hmm. any which reason I have things that, but that's not the, anything I'm putting on my blog is because this is something that I want to share with my readers. I'm not trying to make somebody happy, whether you want to work with them more or less. It's, it's about how you handle yourself and how authentic you are. And you don't have to also be overly opinion. Some people are like, oh, well, if I don't have a negative review, then my readers are going to think I'm real. It's like, okay, well, stop putting that into your space of like rules of things you have to do. Just feel like you can talk about things as you, and you know, you can also just do announcement posts. Like all the time I'm like, here's what's launching for this, or here's what this brand's doing. Yeah, I that'll still get all, picked up with traffic too. Picked up with traffic. And mm-hmm. also some people want to know. Yeah. I sometimes, you and know, FYI. I'm like, FYI, and you mm-hmm. know, some people get releases of the new NARS launches before they come out. No one's tried them yet, but works. I'm excited. You have to feel inspired or mm-hmm. I think you really lose out on the entire experience. Yeah, totally. And so back to the travel thing. So then, and I think, well, back to this point too. That's why I think, and I say, it's not just about having like a one pager with like your data and information. I think having, especially if you're a YouTuber, having a reel is so important because that's how you're going to, that's how you're going to show the brands. Like this is, this is what I do. This is the quality of what I do. So putting together a reel is like, is huge. And if, and if, and you know, if you're a YouTuber, you have enough content to have a reel, then you really should put one together because you have the editing skills to do it. Like there's really no excuse. And I've said it so many times, you have to have a reel. And a lot of people aren't putting together reels or just doing these one pager things. And so you can really separate yourself apart by putting together a reel and, and forwarding it to those brands and say, Hey, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. I really think we, we can work together or whatever. I love your products, blah, blah, blah. And again, you have to also like when you're putting your one pagers or reels, you know, you don't need to make it dramatic. If you're just asking for product, asking for money and asking for product are two, two different, different things. things. Yep. 
majorly two different things. And when you're asking for money, there should be a reason and it should be an idea. Like I don't really, I'm fortunate that a lot of brands come to me, but if I'm going to pitch a sponsor, like for instance, my next trip, well, I have two trips coming up, but after that I have, I'm going to Art Basel and that is a great chance to like create really cool content. And maybe I want to work with an SPF brand, or maybe I want to work with a swimsuit brand or whatever it is. You have to have a concept of something of why I'm not just emailing brands being like, Hey, if you want me to pay me to like your stuff, I'll do that. Like Mm. that's not going to really, but if I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be going to this, or do you need a correspondent? Or do you need, you know, how can we work together and make Mm -hmm. it, you know, a little more organic. And again, it's actually more, I actually prefer when I'm approaching a brand because I'm not really asking them to, you know, pay me to try something I haven't tried and don't, you know, it's not this weird force program. It's here's what I'm thinking. I love your product. Like, let's do something cool. Let's come up with an idea. Yeah. And that's a little bit more collaborative. And again, also I have a good repeat business. So if I worked with a brand as a sponsor for something and it went really well, and again, to what we were talking about earlier, they liked the way I handled my post. They liked the way I handled my, so like what I did for the brand and how I kind of presented it then they want to work with you again. Like you're creating it very organically. And I think that, you know, the biggest thing I've seen as a huge change in the blogging industry is now, and I'm sure YouTubers, you experience this too, is now brands, when they pay you, they want to see the content in advance, mm. which never used to happen. Mm. And the reason it's happening is people are paying bloggers and then they're really unhappy with the way their brand is being used or how it's, you know, being presented or so. they want to now look at it, which didn't use to, which I actually usually say you can't or like, okay, but I'm not yeah. going to really change my content. Like you can give me some feedback, feedback and usually they're like, okay, you're a professional. We get it. Like we just need to just because our clients have had some really bad situations. And, you know, even though we're at different levels of blogging from, you know, person to your left, person to your right, we are a blogging community. And when people have bad experience, it, it reflects poorly kind of on the whole industry and it changes different standards. So I think that's sort of something to consider as well. Yeah. You know, when this, in this whole process and also why when brands work with me, you know, it's really easy to look at me and be like, how do you get so much stuff? And it's not because I'm aggressive. It's because I really care about my content. People relate to me because I really stand by what I do. Mm-hmm. And brands like the way I express things. You know, I had a lot of hotel people give me feedback. We don't really like to work with bloggers because we give them, you know, all these nights stay and a dinner and a spa treatment and whatever. And then we get like one Instagram picture of them in a mirror and you can't even see the room. Ooh, and yeah. it's like, I yeah. get that. Like, I totally yeah, get that. So totally. you might have way more followers. But when you told them, hey, I want to work with you, and they said, yes, you delivered something that they just think sucks, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And then you see mine where I'm like, here's a nice review. Here's what we did. Here's what was so fun. Here's this cool Snapchat content. You know, here's, you know, you tell more of a story. I was at the, you know, people love that. And then they see that, you know, and they're like, oh, we want to work. We want that. That's yeah. the person we want to work with. That's true. And, and, you know, I think that comes for you with age and with experience in the corporate world too, because you understand that. I think a lot of Definitely. YouTubers especially are, are really, a lot of them are on the younger side. I mean, you've got these huge corporations working with like 19, 20, 21 year olds and they, they Absolutely. I hate to say it, but they don't get it. Like they haven't, they've no. been doing YouTube full time. They don't work in the corporate world. And so they, they're like, yeah, whatever. I just took a photo and it's like, hello, you're getting paid to do this. Like, don't you get it? You know, th- this is a potential relationship and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I think it comes with the fact that you have experience outside being a blogger and you're like, you know, you're in your early thirties. Like you, you get it. Absolutely. No, it's, it's a definitely is a good distinction. But again, for people trying to work with brands, tweet them, go on their press page. You know what? I don't have these hotel contents or these poor, like people, you know, 
I'm literally Googling it, looking for it or asking my friends, hey, do you have a contact for this? And then I'm pitching them, you know, whether it be money or just to stay or just to like Mm -hmm. work with them in some capacity. I also am not really aggressive in my intro. I'm like, hey, I would love to work with you. Here is your point. Either you're real, you're one pager, or if you're not even there yet, you're so new, but you just want a few products and you really love beauty and you're passionate. Say, hey, this is an example of a few brands I've done posts for. Show them. And even if you don't have a ton of traffic or anything, it's Mm -hmm. just them getting to know you and also, you know, develop that relationship. And don't be upset if they don't respond. It's not because they hate you or you're not good enough. Some people, I mean, I can't even imagine how many bloggers PR people have to keep up with now. And especially for some of the smaller brands, it's just hard on Mm -hmm. both ends. Mm -hmm. And then for others, they do want to work with you. And then you have a responsibility when you're taking things to show them what you can do with that. And if you want to harness that, obviously they want as much content, negative, positive, social, whatever it is. So that's how you develop it. I mean, I did, I mean, gosh, I think I didn't, wasn't paid the first two years of blogging, or if I was, it was, you know, doing something with Lucky Magazine or doing something through a third party event. It wasn't for blog posts. And if it was, it would have been like a joke of a rate that probably wasn't even worth taking, (laughs) you know, for the amount of time you're putting in. So it does take time to build these relationships. And then you can get to a point where, you know, it's very comfortable for you. And then, you know, also when you write about them, send them the posts. A lot of times people are like, they forget to, it's like, Follow up and say, hey, thank you so much for saying I sent this in or, you know, I'm planning on including it in a roundup, you know, just start your relationship with these brands and it'll go really far. Yeah, because you have to think about their people, too. You know, there are other people there that are working at those brands. And it's like if you make it easy for them to work with you, then they're going to want to work with you again, even if you don't have like crazy amount of numbers. You know, sometimes they'd rather work with someone who's a little bit smaller, but who's more professional, and like maybe easier to work with. And I hear that all the time. I mean, I brands tell me all the time, you know, we go out to lunch and it's like we are now working with a lot of smaller ones because it's really hard to work with a lot of you bigger ones. And I'm like, hey, I agree. It is really hard for skincare brands over beauty. At least I can get through quicker. It's hard for beauty brands. I tell them this all the time. Brands that are my favorite brands. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I have your regimen. I have about 15 other in my living room. You only have one in my bedroom. (laughs) Like I only have one face. And you know, if a brand wants to work with me, that's a month I'm going to give them. I don't try a skincare product for a day and like talk about it like it's the best thing ever. So it just takes me forever to actually work. with. And they are like, I totally get it, Laura. No pressure. A lot of them are still like, no pressure, but can we send this to you? And I'm like, don't even send it to me. Like, I don't want it to go to waste. Like send it to somebody who is, because I'm excited to see it and touch it, but I'm not going to put it on my face yet because I don't want to break out. Like that's not how you test products. It's there's a rhythm to a regimen. I am always putting new things in, but you have, I kind of have a methodology of how I do things and I'm not looking for, you know, 65 moisturizers in my bathroom. It's too hard with especially my massive mask toner and everything else collection. Yeah. You know, so sure. it just is. And I respond to these friends and they're really receptive. And I'm like, when things calm down, which one day maybe I'll probably be dead then, like I will totally want to try your product or I will get to it. But I really want to try the regimen. I want to give it its own time. And everything is tough to do when you only have, you know, to your point, one face (laughs) to do things. So those brands are now, they're like, oh yeah, we sent out those mailers to all of you and like none of you do anything. Yeah, and then the the smaller guys that think, you know, maybe maybe there's a a mid-tier blogger that that took that and took advantage of that and was like, hey, I'm going to make something great. And they're like, hey, you know, that person really came through for us. 
Yeah, and don't get me wrong, their brands. So for me, I'm, scared. I'm like, okay, I don't care. I'm dropping everything. I'm going to try this product. Like it's going all over me. And mm-hmm. and then you send them a put, and they're like, oh my gosh, you weren't expecting this much. And you know, you're like, but you're inspired. You want to talk about it. It's just, you know, it's just part of the whole game of blogging. What you will do for free now, you will not do in ten years. What you would put up an Instagram now, you will not do in six months. Like there's certain things that just change as the industry changes. Yeah. It's not. You know, I would love to put up all 10, you know, some days I get six packages in one day. I can't do six Instagram posts. It just does not, I'll do a Snapchat unboxing, but it's, my readers would be annoyed. (laughs) It's just not the way it used to. And then people got really into this creative gifting of like weird stuff and to make it very visual. And some of it was a success and some of it was a lot of junk. And I was like, I'm so tired of throwing out moss and it just gets, gets so wasteful though. I got mm-hmm. to a point with a lot of brands too. I was like, just, you know, either send me the product or like, if it's really cool. Like, you know, yeah, you don't send, send it, the whole but like, don't, thing. cause you feel bad. I don't, I don't know why brands will spend messenger product and spend like another hundred dollars on like decorating something, but mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm like, just pay me then if you're going to spend it <laughs> on, you know, a messenger service to come to my house, put all this weird stuff in it. Like just send me the product give me a small budget and like, give me some time to try it. So at least it's worth my time to really, you know, shoot it and do everything I need to do in a day to prioritize this one product. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I've got some questions that I got. So I have a Facebook group and I always, you know, I'll I'll go in there and be like, okay, I'm interviewing, you know, this kind of person, what kind of questions. So these are some of the questions that came up. A lot of it was about your photography. So do you take your own photos or do you have somebody else take them? Okay. So both. I, first of all, you have to like invest in a good camera. It doesn't have to be expensive, but my days of just like the iPhone, and that's the other thing that's really funny is like, Five years ago, it was like Snapchat. The more raw your picture was, the better. And then yeah. suddenly it all changed and that sucks. But now they have to be so good. Yeah. So yes, I have basic Photoshop skills. I don't edit pictures to make them, um, I like them to look pretty, to change them. I do it for color correcting because I usually keep the swatch still, like good lighting is really important. Mm-hmm. And I do find that just outside natural light, like I can't tell you how stupid I look like in the backyard, yeah. like a piece of poster board and a bunch of products, bra, taking pictures. <laughs> well, I'm sure but, people are used to that by now. They're like, oh yeah, there's that blogger yeah, chick. And like my pajamas, <laughs> like it's really a good look. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I do. I mean, I will edit things and resize them, but just lightly enough to sort of make sure they look the color that they look because otherwise you go from room to room, as we all know, sometimes, you know, or even sometimes I'll see on Instagram, I'll be like, wait, I have that palette. Those colors don't look like that. (laughs) So I do like just a very light, I'm not an amazing Photoshopper. I'm not like, I just like to adjust levels. And then I have an A6000 camera from Sony. And I love that one because although it's a tough one for YouTube and I do need one for YouTube because the the mirror, what do you call it? The mirror part mirrorless, doesn't, yeah. it's mirrorless, but that's no, the part that flips up so you can see yourself. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know what you call that, but yeah, whatever that, that thing selfie, is, it only whatever. goes up 40. Yeah. The self, it doesn't flip all the way up, which is the only negative thing, mm. but it has a Wi-Fi card. So that's another nice thing because then if I'm at an event, I can shoot it with the camera and then I can connect it to my phone and I can Instagram it on the spot because yeah. I Wait, like what to camera is that specific? Time. I'm using the Sony A6000 mirrorless. Yeah, I have the Um, A5100 and it has... Yeah, that's a great one too. Yeah. The other thing too is a lot of these cameras, sometimes you can get a better lens. I do have a few different lenses for it, which I will interchange, but I'm I'm really not that sophisticated as it looks. It's just, Mm -hmm. again, 
I take a lot of time at it. That's really it. And just playing with it and taking a bunch of, it's a work in progress, but yeah, I do take my own pictures and sometimes I'll have other people come over and shoot me because my amazing photographer moved away. Oh. So I am on the hunt for a new one. But so, so you again, do have other people <laughs> taking your pictures every now and then? Yes. I mean, mostly for the style posts and the beauty and also ones of me wearing looks. I yeah. do. I do have a tripod, but it's like I never get that right. I need somebody who kind of knows what they're doing to make sure we can see. Yeah. I can for the fashion stuff, but for beauty, it's a little bit harder. Yeah. And I just bought all this lighting that I still haven't used that I'm trying to figure out, but it's just nothing's as good as being outside. The outside lighting is just the best. Yeah. The outside lighting is like, you can't, you can't beat natural lighting, but it's hard because not everybody has access to it in like their house or their apartment or or something. So absolutely. um, What lenses do you use or recommend? You know, I have two other ones. I got mine. I went to like the Sony store and uh, let's see if I can see what it's called. This one's called, it says Sony self. The model is S E L three, five F one eight. I love this lens. Okay. Um, what do you use that for? So the one that it comes with is fine. I find this one is the two other two lenses I have and one I don't actually really use. So really it's just this one. Um, it's a fixed lens, which kind of sucks because you can't zoom in and out, but it's, just really crisp. Mm. And I find just the quality of the pictures in like an automatic setting works really well. And then I watched like one YouTube video on how to do a few little things with it. Yeah, I don't overly mess with it. Again, that's why I'm always looking. Th- I don't just look at the screen. I look through the viewfinder for the lighting mm-hmm. and try to get that right so that my editing is very minimal. When you already have a beautiful picture, you don't have to mess with it too much, which is, you know, very true. What you really want. You want to start with it being really good yeah. versus dark. Like then I, there's certain pictures I'm like, I can't even photo. Like it's not, I'm not that talented at Photoshop. And some of them don't even need to be edited. It's just, they just need to be resized, which mm-hmm. is amazing when mm-hmm. I'm that lucky. But yeah, having a good lens and just something you look through, but there's so many good cameras now. I mean, you guys know, I'm sure what whatever you're shooting with for your YouTube is more than enough for a basic product shot. It's just getting the good composition and getting good lighting and just get a piece of poster board. It just needs to be white. Put them on top. Yeah. It looks like a counter, but it's really not. It's like $2 from the craft store. You get like a, just a poster board and that's where you put like the products on. hundred percent different colors. Yeah. I mean, I have other like rugs and things that we Mm. all, you know, sometimes the floor that's painted, you know, all that blogger stuff we all love. Yeah. No. Nine out of 10 times, post board. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, keep it simple, right? Keep it simple. No one knows. And there's like concrete or grass underneath it. Like, yeah, definitely. you will never know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're kind of nearing the end. I'm not going to do the usual bonus round because a lot of it's like, you know, not related, but there's a couple questions that I always ask. And um, I think one of them I'll ask is, what is your superpower? So meaning like, what do you think that you have that's unique to you that comes naturally to you that has contributed to your success? I think just presence. I mean, I know that sounds really arrogant, but I I I try to really be confident in my, and just like, I I have a very like, I don't know, I try to just be myself and do things that I'm comfortable with. And I find that every time I've sort of gone out of my you can go out of your comfort zone to be adventurous, but if you go out of, whenever something just feels wrong, even working with certain people, it usually is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I just try to, and again, I try to make sure I'm really well guarded. So I'm never like in desperate situations to work with certain people. So if something does not look like a good, it's going to be negative. 
then I'm usually quick to just be like, okay, maybe this is not a good idea. Yeah. And back out versus, yeah. you know. Have confidence so in think, you and your work. I think that's great. I think that's that's awesome. And just keep putting out good good vibes and good things. You know, I don't get all this stuff because I'm like, hey, put me in your magazine. It's like different brands are seeing something that I'm projecting that I'm not even really conscious of. So I guess maybe that's like an unbeknownst superpower. But I think when people see you do cool things and that you do them well, they're like, wait, I want to work with you or I want to, I want to know this person and let's, let's have a meeting. Let's talk. And so I think having that has really, because I mean, I don't know how brands find me still. Like I think back then it was really easy to be lazy and be like, Hey, I'm only one of 20, yeah. 50 of you guys out there when yeah. you're well, we are all a dime a dozen, like myself included. Yeah, there's so, so many bloggers. We are very interchangeable that, you know, if I didn't get something, I, I could recommend 25 people who would be just as amazing. <laughs> so I think that, you know, there's something to be said about sharing really amazing things going on in your life and having a positive outlook that will really reward you in life. Well, I think that's great. I think that's a great way to end the interview. You gave out so many amazing insights and a lot of great advice in working with brands, which I know is a topic that comes up a lot from the people that I work with and just people that I talk to. Um, so you gave a really good, unique perspective, and I think people will get a lot out of it. So Laura, okay. where can people find you if they are not familiar with you and your work? Super easy. I'm at Pretty Connected for everything. PrettyConnected.com, at Pretty Connected. Emails Laura at prettyconnected.com. I keep it very easy. And there's also an about page on the site, which has everything listed, as is my profile on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. Yay. It was really nice talking with you. You too. Thanks, Laura. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. That's our episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. And if you stayed this long, do me a huge, huge favor and leave a review on iTunes. Five stars would be amazing. It helps more than you know, helping other people find the Beauty and the Vlog podcast. Also, make sure you check out beautyandthevlog.com for all the show notes for this episode. And if you're not a part of the Beauty and the Vlog family on our Facebook group, Make sure you join for lots of support, collaborations, and questions and answers for anything related to being a content creator on YouTube. This is Erica, and I will see you next week. Mwah.